Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 131. No, no, it's not. And this is episode 231. Rove where you want to. Rove around the world. <laughs> All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you. Today, we have a, a special show. Today, we have a, a guest. Uh, this is it's Jason Tagmeyer from Bunshy Games. Hello, Jason. Hey, how are you? Doing all right, thank you. It is. It is. Me. Yeah, thank thank you for coming on. Honestly, and t- we have Julia, so it's a three person chat, which we have not done in a while. No, I don't think so. Mm-mm. But it's good to be participating. Yep. So so we're talking to Jason. We we recently did a Bunshy episode. Of, couple months back and we went through a bunch of different games and it was really an 18 card micro game episode but but in shy just about has a monopoly in that market so (laughs) so it really was but shy so um i guess we could start with telling us about yourself jason um how'd you get into gaming so i've i've played games almost all my life going back to when i was a kid and then as i was a teenager i would just I would collect like games from like the eighties and nineties, you know, the big long box board games. I'd mm-hmm. go to my local thrift store and just grab every one that's available. And eventually I had a pretty solid collection of those. Um, and I would play a lot of them. You know, most of them were hardly playable and things like a Care Bears game or something really silly like that. But I would still <laughs> still play around with them and just see what they were about and get them on the table. Um and I, I love them from a product sense as well, which I, you know, products are everything to me. So I would play a lot of risk at that same time. And then as I started to work and get jobs, I would buy things like HeroScape when HeroScape first came out and kind of, I loaded up on HeroScape and then eventually started a little club here called the New Jersey, Pennsylvania board game Alliance. I was, uh, I got into that with a friend that designs games, and it was cool. We we would host games uh, once or twice a month, but we also had a sense of design in it, so like anyone could bring their own games. Um, I brought games, he brought games. So it was just a really fun, uh, sort of a creative game day that we would have every month. And that was, I don't know, like a decade ago. And I was designing some games and playing a bunch of weird games and starting to get into more and more board games. And then it's just, it kind of all exploded from there. It took over. Hmm, okay. Very cool. Yeah. It's a familiar story. Everybody says, I used to play games when I was younger and then kind of forgot about it until I got older. <laughs> it sounds like you've been gaming forever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't go out much. So <laughs> if, if, yeah, like, if there was something to do, you know, we would just pull out some, like I played a lot of risk, you know, Risk was a big one. Just get into a brutal game of <laughs> of Risk. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was. I was playing music. We were talking about this me and you earlier, but like, I played a lot of music, and I played a lot of games, and that was that was all I did. <laughs> you know, all through high school and college, and even as I got married and everything else. Mm-hmm. Okay, are you a solo gamer? Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> I guess I would have to be an active gamer to be a solo. I don't play anything. <laughs> All I do is work. But um, I love solo games. Like, and I love solo only games. Like, that's my mm-hmm. like. I really like it when 
a game is strictly solo. It's it's you know you're jumping in the rules just for exactly as the game was intended. Mm-hmm. Um, I play more like prototypes than real games, right? Because of the stuff we get, the stuff we're developing. But I I love solo stuff, especially like more puzzly solo stuff. That's uh, kind of like. I don't know if quick to the table is really the right answer, but I mean, I even like playing stuff that's not intended to be solo as solo if possible. And just trying to beat my own score because I mean, that's where I, I kind of have fun with it. Cause I can just jump in and, and jump back another time, but I love solo games. I love designing solo games. I love developing solo games. Hmm. Yeah. You said that you like playing games that aren't solo as beat your own score. Are you playing, both sides when you do that or do you just play multiplayer solitaire type um, games yeah like multiplayer multiplayer solitaire stuff i like multiplayer solitaire stuff is great for me because uh i can play it and and not worry about anybody else like it's so hard for me to get stuff to the table um but i i do enjoy a lot of games like that and then even stuff like like marvel champions i love that uh mckee i'll play that but it's it's all it's all prototypes for me so many it's cool because you're playing like like next year's games which is fun. <laughs> and i imagine games that will never be next year's game either once in a while yeah there's, there's <laughs> plenty of them i don't get a lot of them to the table but even like something like uh you know like like rolling rights and things like that that yeah that may not have even been intended to be solo at the time that's the kind of stuff i i get to play mm-hmm. <laughs> So you, you're really prolific as a designer too, right? BGG shows you've done like 120 games expansions. I yeah, I would assume most of those are expansions. Okay, <laughs> I've done. I, I'm lucky with like Button Shy in that I can design a game um, and have an outlet for it because we have all these different avenues to release games. So we'll do um, little games that go out to like our subscribers, and then it'll wind up having just to the nature of our release schedule is like, we'll do a new card each month or something. So it winds up being like 12 expansions. Mm-hmm. It adds up quickly. Uh, but I, I'm lucky in that I have a way to release games if, if I, you know, if I design them. So yeah, that's a lot of that comes from button shy. There's a couple of my bigger ones that are not button shy, but yeah, a lot. And, and I would say probably, Five sixth of those are expansions of some sort. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And and so you said you make like one card expansions. So I guess if you're making a card here and a card there, it could be easy to to grow. Yeah. Because you're I, releasing like a character or something for a game. So yeah. So we'll do like we'll do these like postcard games. It's like a every month that we release is like a modular game. It's modular game content. So the game would have a character, like a monster, like a a mission and a treasure, for example. And then every month we'll release a new one of those. So you could swap those out and, you know, completely modular content. You can swap them in and have a whole new game or combine any parts from previous months. So those four things will be another listing on BoardGameGeek. Hopefully a single listing. At one point, people Mm. were listing every piece individually. And I was like, this is is too much. We have to stop. But yeah, so uh, it'll be a lot of that kind of thing, like a monthly iterative modular game, which is a format that's really fun to release uh, because it adds up quickly. And then you have widely variable content. 
you know, for each game that you play. Got it. So I guess you're, we're, we're talking about button-shy games now. Like, we sort of got past you. We have a list here of questions we ask. And so we're sort of going through it. It's sort of also free forms. If we end up skipping something, that's okay. Sure. Uh, but you're talking about button-shy games now and the business. And they make, you guys make, or you make primarily wallet games, which if people are not familiar with, these are little tiny games. They're generally going to be 18 cards. I don't know if that's always true or not. And the rule book and a little tiny plastic wallet. Yeah. Um, they're not always 18, but that's our that's our maximum. Um, and we always aim for it, but sometimes just the game comes in at 16 and there's nothing else to put in there. But, but we, uh, and like even 16 after two reference cards to, or like a reference <laughs> card for every player, the lowest we did was 12, which was our first game we released. Uh, but yeah, so we, um, years ago decided that we were going to make games every month. And they were going to be 18 card games. And this was like right after, like after Love Letter came out, like 2014, when it was all the rage was just that tiny game that had so much game within it. So Mm -hmm. I, part of it came from like, you can fit 54 cards on a sheet and that's three 18s with two extra cards. So it was really just a maximizing a single deck of cards splitting it into three games plus two expansion cards. And uh, it was manageable enough that we decided that that's what we were going to do to make new games all the time. It was this little format that was cheap enough to print, you know, a single card sheet or two card sheets, depending on the printer. And uh, if and a fun challenge to see if you can build a game out of those 18 cards. And <laughs> the friend of mine that I started that, that game club with had a game called movie plots and we decided we were going to do it as our first 18 card. It wasn't even 18 cards, but our first wallet game. Uh, and then tried to do it monthly from there. And we almost succeeded at that. that that's a crazy schedule. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let me ask you, you said you could fit three games on a sheet because 18 times three is 52. Yep. Right. And then there's two leftovers. Are you ever putting anything on those extra two, or, or is that just... Yeah, so it's funny, because over the years I've been trying to figure out how to maximize those extra two. Sometimes it's uh, like an expansion card or two. Uh, so we'll, we'll just make a two-card expansion and, and do that. But then we started doing this thing like a year or two ago where we made games that only used one or two cards but repeated in the game. So for example, we have a game called Invino Morte and all your cards are either wine mm-hmm. or poison. And it's two cards, but you get eight of each in the game. When we make a deck and we have 54 cards and there's two left over, we can make one wine and one poison card and out of every nine, de- eight or nine decks, we get another copy of that game. So we found this way to like <laughs> squeeze these little short runs of games in there by having game- cards that repeat themselves. And you could even have like an 18 card game where it has like six cards three times and you really just need to print those six cards and every three decks you have another copy. So we've that's been something we've worked on over the years and, and kind of started to figure out. So yeah, there's interesting ways to use those last couple cards. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Where am I? The tips and tricks from an established 18 card <laughs> designer. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's 
that was seven years in or something, six years <laughs> in, but it came. So Julius mentioned eight card designers. You have contests all the time on your website, right? To, to find more games, I guess, basically. Yeah, that's, I, that's the bulk of the games that we publish nowadays is out of contest because we'll get submissions and, you know, we get a game and it's okay. And then we get another game and it's okay. But when we have a contest, we sort of kind of dictate what we're looking for. And we'll say we're looking for games based on real life locations and we'll get 150 entries. So from there, instead of just having two games and you're kind of looking at them and seeing which one's better, you get 150 and you can find the best 10 and, and find some real good stuff. So it's a, it's a great way to review games. And we've published, I mean, some contests we publish five, six games out of. So yeah, it's, we, we were doing contests every month at the end of 2019, I think. What? Every and month? Yeah, we saw, I think we saw 500 submissions over the course of like four months. That is <laughs> yeah. a lot of games. It, it is. And it's, it's wild that people are that inspired because it's design a, Design a game that's 18 cards, but doesn't use a table, for example. Um, the, the one that we had that goes back to your earlier question about maximizing the cards, the deck space, we had, we had a contest that was make a game that's 18 cards, but all 18 cards are identical. And it, <laughs> it was like, this is a challenge that nobody can do. It's really silly, and, and we're going to get nothing. And we received 229 entries, the most we've ever gotten. Wow. Somehow that <laughs> inspired people. I get a lot of messages from people saying they've never designed a game before, but that challenge was so you know, out there that they decided they wanted to make a game, and now they make games. You know, Now they still design games. <laughs> so wow. that was great because... Cool. Because we'll print the game. We pr- we published a couple out of that, and we'll print the game, and it's only one card at the end of the sheet, <laughs> and every 18 <laughs> copies becomes a, another game. So basically, every time we have an extra card on a sheet, we just toss those games on. It's fun. That is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah I like the idea of a challenge, because some oh, challenges yeah. you know, may, may not interest a person for whatever reason, but then another one comes along and just really grabs your attention that, yeah. that it's hard to put down. 18 <laughs> cards, but... And then we always add something there and, and it really can get your mind going because 18 cards is hard enough on its own. When you say, but you know, <laughs> it has to be a legacy game, you know, then, then people start, their minds start to go. Yeah. I saw you had a contest like that recently, I think. Yeah. We did 18 card legacy. We did 18 card role playing not that long ago. There's wow, been a okay. lot of them. And There's so a new one right now, brewing in my head that I want to do, but we haven't we haven't pulled it together yet. Gotcha. Okay. So right now they're not monthly challenges, but they're on the website. So if somebody wants to see them, you go to the <coughs> website. Yeah, like our website. There's like a little blog on our site. We usually put them on there. Uh, okay. We do a lot on Discord. We have like design channels on Discord, and everybody's kind of sharing their ideas on there. So it's been a couple months since we've done one. But when we do, they're they're a lot of fun, and then we'll put them on YouTube as well, so everyone can see the different games that people designed. Is the Discord open to anybody to join? Yeah, the Buttonshine Discord is open for anyone to join. It's kind of hard to tell people how they find it. We should probably <laughs> put a link on our site, but I we have like three thousand members on there, and it's pretty active. Oh wow, well, okay. It's just well, uh, oh. it's just hard to like you can't search for these things. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. 
It's a word of mouth sort of album. Well, yeah. I'll include notes to that and anything else. Yeah, I'll give you a link for it. Okay. And you also have, so I was trying to find it earlier today, and I was having a little hard time. You should also put this on Bunchside website. You have another <laughs> website to sell buttons on. Oh, we just opened this. It's called, it's yeah. fun it has two names, and we don't know which one we're going with. <laughs> but it's called The Button Shop, like Button Shy, but The Button okay. Shop. Because Button Shy was originally, we made buttons in late ah. 90s, early 2000s. And I and that was the name of the company was Button Shy. And then we stopped doing that, but the name was kind of sitting around. And we, we kind of moved it over to this. I was going to ask why Button Shy for a yeah, game publisher. It, it, just, it was a button publisher. <laughs> um, but it, uh, I was sitting on the name. I still had the the dot com i still had the logo that i paid 40 bucks for so when we were making games and i was looking for a new name mm-hmm. all my websites were like buttonshy.com slash board games and stuff so i was like let's just use buttonshy and it's fine it worked out and one person one time was like i thought you made buttons <laughs> it was one person ever knows <laughs> it remembers it from like 2000 but uh um have you ever done an 18 card contest about buttons? No, I have not. We we did consider like how can you make buttons in a game? <laughs> and we have one button that just says this is your start player token, which is kind of fun. But it hasn't gotten there yet. It will. It will eventually. But uh the button site is neat because it's either it's either called the button shop or board game buttons. Like and the website's boardgamebuttons.com. But what's cool about it is it's us and a bunch of other publishers we know and content creators, websites and stuff like that. And we're just adding new buttons each week and and just kind of taking our time with it and letting it become a, a cool little hub for, for buttons for board game people. Um, so we're going to talk about the, the reason we had you on today is because you got a game coming out in Thanksgiving, available in Thanksgiving, or I'm sorry, on Black Friday yeah. called Rove. And so you sent us a copy of the game for us to talk about and and let people know about this uh, Black Friday. Yeah, Groove is uh, it's it's a fun little puzzly solo game, the kind that I that I kinda the kind that I love. And uh, it's Dustin Dobson who designed our game, Skulls and Sedlick, and a couple other things coming up. And Milan oh my god, Zivkovic, I, I can never say his name right. Uh, uh, Milan, who designed the game, it was this big for us. Uh, both of them joined forces and now have designed a whole bunch of games together. So this was one of the one of the ones they did, and huh. it's uh, it's great. And we decided we weren't going to kickstart it because of a few reasons. It was it was kind of a opportunity for us to do something different, a little bit inspired by how like Stonemeyer does releases where they'll announce a game and it's for sale immediately and it's like wow and, and it's in stock mm-hmm. and like shipping out that day so we wanted to try something different because there's only so many kickstarters you can run kickstarter kind of limits the amount of that um a direct release without kickstarter doesn't get like all the hype of that so we really want to try something a little different and and see if there's another avenue that we can start releasing games and and then Black Friday was a nice little tie to it where if we're going to do this, we might as well do it on Black Friday when everybody's shopping anyway. So it's a new thing for us to try it this way. And I hope mm-hmm. it does well. All right. Okay.
it's already on the website so people could see it there, uh, but it's not for sale yet. It's there, but it's marked. Yeah, you can like sign up for a notification, but we'll pop that live real early Black Friday morning, like 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or something like that. And, and we have 1,800 copies, I think, to, to go around. So it's a, it's a solid amount. And if you don't get it on Black Friday because it runs out, it will come back. Yeah. Okay. And was it Dustin and Milan who also did the art? Because I, I think the art is amazing. <laughs> the mission cards on it, when you lay them out, they create that tableau of all of the things that your Explorer robot has done over the course of the game. And it, it looks adorable. Yeah, Dustin did those. And if I'm remembering correctly, he was like, oh, it could look something like this. And then bust out this amazing artwork. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he did those, and that was that panorama <laughs> wow, okay. was was one of the early things that hooked me on it. Is it's somewhat functional. We were just talking about this the other day. It's it's functional in that you overlap your previously card half of your card you you played previously with the new one, and it creates this panorama. But it also hides the last puzzle that you did, so it kind of removes some information from the, the field of view. So it's somewhat functional, but very pretty and, and well done mm-hmm. yeah it, it takes up a little bit more table space than i wanted to take but it looks really nice when you do that it does it has a it has a quite a footprint because of the way the puzzles open up <laughs> the puzzles can literally move from one end of the table to the other mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly so we should talk about how the game works right so so you said it's a puzzle game it it basically to me it's sort of like one of these uh binary arts or think fun puzzles oh, like yeah. rush yeah. hour for that sort of thing. And I mean, it's, it, the play is different, but it's that style of puzzling, I guess. Um, but it is a game, more so than those are. Um, well, this one especially because there's a, there's a set of missions, and with a Think Fun game, once you've solved it, you know how to do it again. With this one, the situation that you have to move from and get to changes as well as the order of the cards each time. So it's, it's much mm-hmm. different than... A, those actual so, game. So let's describe the, the table. Then you've got you've got your mission card that you're going to try and accomplish, and it's going to show you a grid, six cards on a grid. And I guess the grid is nine by nine, not necessarily though, right? And then you have the six cards in the table, which are modules you're trying to arrange into that pattern. They start in two rows of three, and each turn you could play a movement card, which is the back of the mission card, from your hand, and it tells you how many movement points you have. You can move modules. You have movement points to move those modules to get them into the target position. Um, each module works a little different in the way they move. Some can move farther, some can move diagonally, others can't. And they also have special abilities on those modules. But once you've once you've moved, done all your movement points, you now play another card from your hand. You don't draw up again, but so your, your hand is slowly getting smaller. But once you've gotten your modules aligned correctly, you complete the mission. You add another m- mission over that one to get that panorama going. And then you add a card to your hand. So that's how you get more cards in your hand. Um, and you keep doing this until you have created seven, completed seven yeah, missions. Seven. Right? That's the base, basic game right there. Mm-hmm. It, it is neat. One thing I like about this that I find interesting that I normally don't like, honestly, but I, I haven't used it, yet, but I like the idea is that you don't actually shuffle the cards. When you, when you run out of your 18 cards, you just flip them oh, over yeah. and keep going and drawing from that when you need to draw new cards. So... If you really wanted to, you could play the game. You could f- take a picture of all the cards in the deck in order, play the game, 
and now set it up again and play the same card trying to beat your old yeah game. or you could you know do a challenge to other people to do the same one as well mm-hmm. that's right and if everybody starts with the same exact uh cards in the same order it, it is deterministic, right? You, you would all end up at the same point if you all took the same exact That's moves. something that is sort of unique to like our kind of games is that if the deck was you know 80 cards, you couldn't do that kind of challenge or, or log your play. <laughs> but when it's, I don't know. I'd never play it, no. <laughs> there's 18, it's a different story. And actually, there's only 12 because six of them are the modules. That's right. Though even the modules, you'd want to arrange in a specific yeah, order exactly. for that to, to, be, to be fair, I guess. Um, so that's the basic game. Now, you said it's an 18-card game, but then there's six more cards that you're going to get for the expansion. Yeah, so the it's so it's a, Fascinating Flora is is the first expansion. Um, six more. Uh, it's, a, it's considered a missions. mission expansion. Mm-hmm. So it's six more mission cards, and on the back are the uh, movement points that you get. Uh, and... They have little pretty green flowers and stuff on them. I just I just got an email with two more expansions today. Yeah. Oh really? <laughs> Very cool. Okay. I yeah, I want to see more modules. I want to see more missions. Yeah, they they do some fun mm-hmm. stuff. I I forget what the second one is, but I know one of them is an ice ice icy area of a planet, and things get ah, frozen. Okay. That, that, <laughs> it's one of the things about uh. Bunshy games is you buy these little 18 card games and you find oh there's an expansion you get an expansion or two or three and they're always little tiny things so you're just gonna order a couple and order another game at the same time and, <laughs> and then you've got all these games with all these expansions and it's it's great yeah <laughs> but it's sneaky it's i try to be really careful with with our expansions and not not over expand and not do any there's there's expansions that feel unnecessary and try to avoid that try to avoid mm-hmm. Solo expansions when a game doesn't feel like it should, rep- you know, should have solo. If it feels too much about player interactivity, trying to avoid mm-hmm. high player count expansions when the game becomes less fun at higher player counts. So we do have quite a bit of expansions sometimes, but it's also it's it's very a careful thing that we we always love to expand, but are, are careful not to over expand. Yep. And all the expansions, they, they're never just like more cards. They always seem to add some kind of twist yeah. that changes the, how you think about that's, the game. That's always like, you know, new cards, but this, or new cards and this. Try to just figure out that one little thing it can add. Mm-hmm. And so so this expansion has one other twist, I guess, which is a, a different way to play. You could play in an endurance mode, where normally you're trying to complete seven missions. This one you're going to say, play until you can't do any more exactly. moves and see how many missions you did. Right. And I think the goal is twelve. I think it was yeah, twelve is before things start summer. to. I think start to break with the card counts and things like that. But twelve is yeah. is intense. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've only played it. The, I've played it multiple times the other way without the the expansion, and I've enjoyed it enough that I really hadn't wanted to bother adding the expansion yet. I finally said I have to try this, so I tried it today, and yeah. it was fun. I did like it. I think so far I still prefer just the base game. But but the sure. the idea of the endurance is cool. Well, I mean, you can also just throw in the base game cards. Yeah, you can do the expansion cards and, and just play standard. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that was how I immediately started doing, is I just threw them in. Now, honestly, that's because when I received the game, my son immediately said, hey, these are cool, and shuffled them all up. And I didn't know when I first played which ones were the expansion and which ones weren't. So That's funny. I we just put stuck a little icon at the bottom <laughs> just in case. 
in case that happens. We we mm-hmm. there were too many releases where we didn't have an icon, and everyone's like, I don't know which ones are the expansion cards. Um, but yeah, we've <laughs> we've sort of learned our lesson on that one. Yeah, I did find it, but the the copies that we received because oh, yeah. they were early prototypes didn't have the full rules oh, for yeah, those. Right. Yeah. So for listeners who are familiar with that, I didn't have access to the the digital rules on Shabbos. So it wasn't. Oh, it no. took me another twenty four hours to be able to access <laughs> those and get it all sorted. My children have very much enjoyed looking through and playing the the game without any limits of action spaces oh, really? just to experience the cute robot and the things they can do because they like the idea of him jumping yeah, through fun. and and figuring out all the things they do so they play it you know in in rush hour those are puzzles you can't really lose as long as you're yeah. willing to sit there and do it so they will just play through that they have unlimited movement points and they will just go through the whole deck cool. just as missions and they can't lose, but for them, that's the that's the skill level that they're at, and they have a great time doing it. How old are they? Oh, the one who was doing that was eight and nice. being helped by his eleven year old sister. Yeah, we've seen some like our other games, Sprawlopolis, where you know you've got three cards and three goals, and you're trying to do all that, and kids will play, and they'll just make a big city on the floor <laughs> instead of like doing mm-hmm. anything, and it's 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 really fun to the point where I was like. We need to make like kids sprawlopolis, or you're just making a city on the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, my son would like that. He was so excited. He he loves these types That's of cool. wallet games too, because it's it generally is amount of rules that yep. excites him without overwhelming him. As long as he can I, uh, figure I don't it all out. If you guys have what like my son, we'll play a solo game together. Like I'll play solo, and he'll play with me. Mm-hmm. Um, we do that a lot, and. I do that a lot for development of, of solo games, but we've started playing other games and just sharing the decision space. And I let him go when he can. And it's a really fun way to play games because there's nothing hidden. You know, everything's in front of us. We can, we can, it's really easy to teach. Um, I've, I've kind of been adopting that solo as co-op thing, you know, as, as a family thing, or as it just me and my, my one son. Yeah, and it very much reduces a lot of that strife, especially that younger players have yes. about wanting to win and getting frustrated when they're not. But we're winning together, like yeah, we're on a team. We don't play a solo game. He's <laughs> running away, crying halfway through the game because someone's winning. <laughs> not even winning. Yeah. Someone just does something good. <laughs> He's just gone. So I'm trying to teach him yeah. through solo. There you go. Very cool. So. So I don't think I have anything else to ask you about or bring up. Um, you told us all about button shy games and and the button shop. And oh, you you mentioned a couple times you publish games monthly and you have a Patreon. We do. It's we call it the Board Game of the Month Club, and it's basically you get like a little envelope postcard size filled with stuff every month, and then some people also get like our wallet games every month as well. Um, but the postcard, the postcard game is usually we give these thick postcards, so they kind of make like a little, like a board almost, um, mm-hmm. and then some cards. And we try to really maximize the space of what a game can be. That's you know a postcard and nine cards. Uh, so one year we did a game called Chainmail, and it's a like a dungeon crawler that also uses like cubes and stuff, but. We just tell people to provide their own or put a link to like the game crafter or something. Um, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So then the next year we did a game called Personal Space. It was a real weird thing that I designed. This year our game is called The Final Light Year, and it's this uh, space solo co-op um, kind of like three-tiered battle game where you're fighting a small cruiser, a bigger one, and then a big boss. Um, so we've done these each year, and, and they just come out in little parts. It's just enough to play, and then each month you get a little bit more. And by the end of the year, you have this hugely variable system. Uh, or if you jump in mid-year, you just get the parts that uh, that you need to play, and you get some new stuff each time. So it's a cool process that we've been able to do and make these huge games, but split it over the course of a year, and each part is playable that uh, we have a lot of fun with. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And so you said it's it's it starts at the beginning of the year? Um, so now would be the time to jump in, basically? Yeah. I, we Because of COVID, we got bumped back to March was our, the start of last uh-huh. year's year-long game. So the next year starts in March now, um, just because we had a big two-month gap where we couldn't get anything last year. Okay. Yeah, I... So yeah, so March, we're starting the new one. We haven't announced it yet. Uh, it might be this game called Hush that I'm working on. Um, that's <laughs> it. Just, just depends maybe. on the just artwork maybe. coming in on time. Um, <laughs> there's a second one that we're also working with, and we might do six months instead of a year, and and do two over the course of the year, just in case you know someone's not into the theme of one or something like that. They're only you know not getting a whole year of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Still, it's these long-form games that are bigger than anything else we can do, just because of the way that we can split them up. That's interesting. So, so these games are they are they quick games or do they uh, play like an hour-long so game or something? Or? Chainmail was a good like forty-five minutes to an hour. Um, the final light year is probably thirty to forty-five minutes. Um, it could, it's probably a good forty-five minutes, but a lot of them are dice and cubes and stuff like that. So we have more room to kind of get into that complexity of play than we do with like our wallet games. Gotcha. Okay. It kind of reminds me of the game um, Fire by Friedman Freeze where it's all, you get the whole box at once, but when you start, you have like the first 10 cards, you play the game. Once you finish your mission, you add in a couple other cards and then you play and then. Yeah, that's like these, but at, so far, almost all of them have been like um, interesting in that all the cards are out. So you might play with nine cards and a postcard and they're all out for like the entire game. Um, so there's no shuffling of decks. They're all just like little mini like boards and tableaus and stuff. Um, and then basically the next time you play, you can play a different set of those. Um, it's neat. It's, a, it's, it's, it's pretty unique. It's pretty unique. And like we have two games we're looking at that are the same kind of format and we're able to kind of repeat it every year, but, but change the way the games behave and things like that. Um, Julius, is there anything else you want to bring up? Cool, okay. Uh, um, how about you, uh, Jason? Anything you want to bring up? I think that about covers it for me. No, Albert. no, thank you, though. Um, I'm always happy to talk about solo <laughs> games. I love solo games, and um, it's nice talking to both of you. Cool, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on.
Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.